0: Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with Head Coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell, and we are continuing a little series we're doing with Chris Sweetapple. So first of all, welcome along, Chris.
0: Thanks, Dan. Great to be back with you again.
1: Yeah, well, really looking forward to this one because we're going to be doing what we did very much last time, which is look into a particular session or an aspect of a session and break it down and try and come up with a few ideas around it to help coaches. So I'm going to be quizzing you a little bit, Chris, on how you've used it and maybe putting a bit of my slant on it and hopefully come up with some more ideas for coaches on how to use it so Chris just quickly tell me um, again um, who you're coaching at the moment
0: I coach in North London and uh, we've just finished the under 16 season is the age group that uh, I coach we run two teams and I'm the lead coach on our development group
1: uh, but as you said before and I've actually come down and uh, help coach with you they're uh, they're not um, a inverted commas b team they're a pretty good team uh, as it is for themselves, aren't they? So uh,
0: uh, that's very kind of you to say that. I'm very proud of them, of course. Um, <laughs> compared to the other team, we we aren't quite we aren't quite the same. And that isn't necessary. Playing ability. Um, we certainly enjoy our rugby.
1: Good. Good. So, well, that's going to be part of what we're trying to get across: is how can you help your players enjoy your rugby? But just before we get into that, uh, it's the end of the season, and I was intrigued as we had your a chat before the start of this podcast, about the speed dating you've just been doing. So uh, assuming that's rugby-related, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, well, certainly speed dating. Co- coaches tend, uh, in my in my experience, but at the end of the season, we are a mixture of frazzled, relieved, uh, <laughs> enlightened, uh, just come crawling out of the winter into the sunlight of spring. Um, and we did something that... Uh, about 6 weeks ago that uh, I know other clubs do and, and we were a bit slow doing this and and it's the coaches speed dating night and the idea here is that uh, once we've all Had a beer and relaxed a little bit, had something to eat. Um, We speed date between the age groups and you actually only your age group, you spend 10 minutes with the age group below and 10 minutes with the age group above. And the idea here is that uh, you give very informal and what I mean by that pragmatic feedback to the age group below of the things to do and also the things not to do. And you receive the same sort of feedback from uh, the age group above you. Um, and, and and for me, I, I, I found it really enlightening, um, particularly as we're now heading into under-17s. We have more or less got GCSEs, GCSEs behind us. Um, now we're heading into the A-level year. Um, and we're also very, very much aware of the fact that we've now got to prepare these young people ready for uh, senior rugby. And hopefully uh, many more years in the game. So uh,
1: the first question is probably what did you learn from the coaches in the year above? And then the second question will be what nuggets of wisdom did you pass down? So let's start uh, with uh, what you heard from above.
0: Um, I think from above, they, they're they a very successful group that have been together for a long time. Um, and they lost a lot of players during the season. And it was a mixture of, bear in mind they're they're in what I call junior six, the first year of A-level, year 12. So they haven't got that real pressure of exams, but one or two got lost along the way Um, that they felt was because they were were starting to train with the seniors and they found it a little bit threatening. Um, The other dynamic that came about was that they started to be playing their rugby without so many parents around. And that seemed to change some of the dynamics. Um, And the other one, and this is the one that that, that actually I found really pleasing, Um, the better players who are, uh, and we've got some of these, who are destined towards uh, academies and counties and and more advanced rugby, um, weren't seen, they were seen even less. But it allowed some of the more... um, the the lesser stars to actually step up a little bit and although maybe you're starting to see well we're not quite the all-conquering team we were but we've actually got the nucleus of some really good lads who are going to develop into very good young men uh, and they're clearly enjoying their rugby
1: and in a from a coaching point of view did you do you think now i'm going to change a little bit the way i coach with these boys or is it going to stay the same
0: um the 10 minutes ended up being about half an hour, <laughs> um, mainly because they were the under 18, they, they were going into the under-18s and we are going into the under-17s and they didn't have anybody else left to talk to. Um, <laughs> but um, we got along very well and, and it did continue. We've had actually two sessions and there's a lot going on about what we've decided to do is um, next season we're going to amalgamate our under-18s and under-17s into one group one coaching group Um, and the way that this came about and it was Tony our head coach who who picked up on this is that we're quite frustrated and have been for some time about the impact of the school's rugby on the boys Um, and I'm quite vociferous that I think some of our players are playing far too much rugby and we tend to try and manage it we, we feel like we're on the, the, the wrong end of the stick of it. We don't get a voice talking to the schools. All those sort of frustrations bubble up. And they probably work in exactly the same direction back towards us as well. <laughs> yeah. So let's be pragmatic. Let's work out what we can do. And we felt that actually putting um, what is effectively three teams together into one coaching group and moving the coaching night to the seniors night so they start to get a little bit more integration was going to work much better um also our guiding principle in the and i did mention that we had a couple of meetings on that uh, and the last one we had we actually had uh, one of the alakazoo's joined us eugene is a great sage in all these sort of things plus also um somebody else from the senior group one of the senior coaches and, and we led off with the guiding principle we want these boys to stay competent rugby players and enjoy the game and stay with what we're doing. I mean rugby as long as possible. They're all about to start to spring off to uni and college and all sorts of other things going on. And some of them may dip out the game for one or two years, but we'll judge our success. If these guys go away with a good impression that they like the game and they're willing to come back to it, come what may, we've done the job. Our job isn't to fill up the the first 15 in the next five years. That, that, that doesn't happen. Well, I don't believe it happens. I'm about to experience this. But trying to create an environment where the boys can start to move around, um, we, we're looking at thinking of it as well, more or less 315s, but the 315s will not play on the same day. We'll, we will actually put them into different environments so we create competitive games. Um, they can learn from each other. And hopefully we're looking at a dynamic which will really start to prepare them in a more fulfilled way, ready for senior rugby.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of that. And well, let's just go back one step. Uh, First of all, what I like about the idea is that it is not trying to find a pathway for them. It is instead trying to deal with the child, well, the young man in front of you and say, let's make this a great experience for you. So wherever you end up, you'll be a bit better prepared. Inevitably, some of them will end up with the first team. It'd be interesting to know how many players are in the first team who have come through from, from the juniors, but I think that's another story. So that, for me, sounds a far more positive way to approach the season, because otherwise you're probably you're not looking at developing the player. You're trying to develop players to fit positions which
0: may be ahead. Is that the sort of sense it is. Yes, I, I, th- I think it is. We, we, we've got the potential here. To the, the idea is, if we can put them in competitive games, and we're well resourced, then we've got some flexibility. If we tend, if we ended up with an under eighteen, they'd be struggling to get. They haven't. They've got enough for a team, but not quite enough for a squad. And mm. um, they'll be training with the seniors. They're under pressure. And, and I got the sense that they're going to end up cancelling a lot of the games. And then you start losing players and suddenly the wheels are off the wagon and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, on our side, uh, we've just about got enough for two teams. Um, and we've only got a, one, two things to go slightly wrong and suddenly we'll be collapsing down into one team. And that will create an issue because we've got two good teams, but they're the, the the style of the players, the way the boys are—sorry, the young men are—the mm-hmm. I'm I my concern is, is being coaching the the lesser group. Is that we could fall between two stools by bringing all these guys together? We start to look like a school sixth form, where we have yeah. a first, second, and third fifteen. Um, we know who we're going to commit to two of the teams going into the league. We're going to play. Um, some very advanced friendlies against some very very good clubs in the south of England there's going to be some travel and that's going to be a hybrid 17-18 team and the other team which was I'll spend my time with we will be playing good competitive matches in and around North London Hertfordshire Bedfordshire Essex with clubs that we know like and we know what to expect and hopefully this will this will give us the flexibility to keep all the players interested, stimulated, um, and also critically involve the senior uh, club. Some of the, I really want some of the senior players to get involved with coaching because they're younger than me. They're uh, hard to believe, I know. But um, <laughs> I, I, I just start to think that the more peer grouping we can do here um, could be beneficial. And I'm hesitating, Dan, because I haven't done this before, but – Whenever it was I started coaching, I hadn't done this before. This just feels right. And other people around us are saying, this is a good initiative.
1: Good. And it does sound great. And it sounds exciting. And I'm looking forward to speaking to you on how, how it's going. And I'm sure that there's going to be tough times in it. And uh, yet the guiding principle is to keep these boys playing the game for the sake of the game. Rather than them, almost for the sake of the club, which I sense is perhaps the way forward, especially if they're going to be going and disappearing to uh, different parts of the country as they take up maybe college roles well some of them and some of them are going to stay local so just quickly before we move on to the uh, the activity that we're going to talk about what was the what would you say was the number one piece of advice you'd give
0: to a coach who's coming up to take an under 16s team Um, I was warned the under-16s was the hardest age group you'll ever coach, Um, and it's certainly proved so far the toughest. And the the reason for that is the exams, the GCSEs. Um, The uh, first thing you have to be aware of, players will disappear because their parents have decided they will not play sport. They need to revise 24 by 7. Um, That's not what's actually happening, Um, but you have to respect that. Yep. Yeah, this is so, so important period for these young people. Um, and this is my, uh, Kieran, my son's going through it, and he's the youngest of three. So I completely respect it. So my advice is roll with it. You're going to see players are going to prioritize families are going to prioritize this in a way that doesn't suit your rugby agenda. Tough. Get on with it. The second thing, and this is linked to it as well. And I found this, this, this left me open mouth. I thought all the schools did their, um, their mock exams at the same time. They don't. Hmm. The different schools have them um, just after half time, half term in the autumn, some, um just before they break up for christmas some in january some in february so best thing you can do there is is find out early as you can when the various mock exams are and plan around it uh, also all your teams all your matches uh, and i'm thinking here about some of the stuff that tim said about the matches in his his
1: podcast. this is tim
0: tim ravenscroft indeed indeed yeah. um talk to your teams because we're all in the same boat and and so I said, look, I've got this fixture, but I'm going to be missing five of my players because they're exempt. They may well say the same thing. And well, let's, let's come together, let's collaborate, let us find a third team, let's let's turn it into a barbarians match, mm. or okay, let's turn let, let's play a tennis side game and play it on across half a pitch, mm. um, but roll with it. It was my biggest advice to to the under 16s coming out this year. Find out when all this GCSE stuff is and plan around it because also the pressure is on the boys in that department. They want to be out in the fresh air, throwing a ball around with their friends. So keep, keep the show on the road, whatever it takes. Great. I know that sounds fantastic
1: advice. And uh, probably I wish I'd had that advice when I took my under 16s through as well. Uh, right. We're going to look at an exercise, a game actually. And uh, the game is called snap back rock game. And, Chris, can you just talk us through the game? Okay. And, uh, well, t- talk us through the game, but also how you'd set it up as well. Yeah, um,
0: the game uh, has been with us for a while. Um, it, it, recently on RCW, you saw it as snapback rugby, and I, it caught my eye because rucking in our in our area is such an important part. So I, I started reading. And I thought we've been playing this game for a while, um, and and so and that's actually quite important. Um, So go back to to rucking. Um, It's such an important part of the game because this is really where the attack keeps going. This is how you keep the pressure on the opposition. Um, And I'm really proud that the the teams we play, we have got a reputation of being very good at rucking. Um, We're not animals. We're not the All Blacks. We're not the biggest team uh, on the circuit. um, But we've worked really hard at our rucking. And, And this game, to me has got the essence of what happens at a ruck, which is namely, um, the pre- I call it the presentation, it goes around, there's it, always buzzwords. Mm. Um, but um, in my coaching philosophy, the most important with the ruck is the presentation of the ball. Then everything else has got a chance to happen. If we don't present the ball properly, then rucking, rucking just becomes a complete mess. Um, people watching the game get fed up, the referee gets the hump, the players start doing soppy things, and, and the game quickly just seems to 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 go to a level we we don't really enjoy. Um, and so this this is something that uh, I really have been working with for quite a while. Um, I get a bit frustrated to digress. Uh, tell me off, Dan, if I digress too much here. But I get <laughs> I really off all the time, Chris. So just oh, keep going. Okay. I I get really frustrated when okay let's work on our rock and out comes the dreaded pads at which point i i'm almost headed towards the car park Mm -hmm. um and 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 i just just think there's so much you can get from this game um and we develop it in two areas well just before we start just tell me how the game works right the game is basically really simple um, and it works with quite a small number so if you've only got 10-12 10-12 players it works if you've got a bigger group it works as well um, and so we set a game up the area doesn't matter you you, you can adjust it I'm notorious for keeping my areas too small because I like chaos mm. but you can make it big or small and you need a ball ball cone set up an area here we go um, two teams and we're going to play touch rugby uh, you can um, and I like to overload the attack a little bit as well so that works the defenders and we start to create the communication um, so we're playing touch. Okay, We'll throw it around for a little bit and have a couple of chicken scratches, right? Okay, now we're going we're going live. Just a so, reminder, remind, remind uh, those who don't know what a chicken scratch is what that is. Okay, Player gets touched, stop, roll the ball between your legs and just give it a little heel, something like that. Um, and, and it's a, to me, it's just a very gentle way of starting a game as we're starting the session one or two are turning up late because of traffic, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm holding a few um, bibs or, or headbands, whatever we're using in my arms. They come on, quickly grab a bib, go on that team. And we're just gathering everybody. Mm. Rather than standing around or hoofing a ball in the air and wondering where it's gone, mm. we've got something of a game. And so it's a gathering gathering thing. Uh, and then, okay, fine. Right, now we're going, we're going to change, law change number one. Uh, we're on touch. The ball player uh, goes to ground. I want you to try and score a try, and that's important. We'll probably come back to that. Next thing I want you to do is snap back. I want you to hinge at the hip and push the ball back. Uh, And then what I want is the next attacker player to come in and secure the ball. And the definition here is that I want the chin over the ball. And again, it's something we'll come back to. Um, and then the next player just passes the ball away, and on we go. We just keep playing, um, and we keep attacking until we score a try, or there's an infringement, or I've I've, I've got upset and I need to stop the game, which <laughs> happens too often. Um, so that that's the essence of the game. Now, once I've got that foundation going, we can get this game going in many, many, many different directions. And that's, for me, that's the thing that I like. And I, I've got to the point with the group where we do the warm-up touch, chicken scratch stuff. We've got, okay, fine, maybe one more is going to come, but I don't care. We're underway. And I can I can go, and we've actually nicknamed the game Hot Rucks. We're playing Hot Rucks now. Everybody mm-hmm. go, Hot Rucks. And it's a communication because... We try and keep that theme going. With today, we're playing hot rucks. Um, when I give the magnificent speech in the change room before the match, which um, I'm trying to keep under forty-five seconds now, <laughs> um, hot rucks is is the button we push. We're playing hot rucks. We go quick. So that's the essence of the game, Dan.
1: Yeah. Now, and um, so just going to go going to pick up on a couple of things. Then, so the scoring the try, uh, the way that I see it is that the the tackled player uh, goes to ground and the ball is underneath them. Now, what I like about that is that their hips and shoulders are up the pitch. That's more difficult ball to, for the defender to get their hands on. And then they've got to work really hard to get the ball back. Now, a rule I play when I play this game, and I'm now going to call it hot rucks because I think that's much better than snapback, um, is that one of the key rules I play is it's got to be done perfectly. Um, Then in the video on the RCW uh, website, there's a couple of players who go down and put their hand down first. And now I stop that because that's obviously dangerous, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's also more effective if they can, if they could be moving forward because the first principle of rugby is to go forward once you've gained possession. So they, they get down, snap back quickly and then, the chin over the ball. So I think I know what that is, but what's your thought
0: or how do you see that? Okay. The the chin over the ball is, sorry, let me digress. Mm. Um, The hand on the ground, the bad habits are really important to me. Um, We've, we had a habit of goodness. I don't know. The, the lad would roll onto his back and put the ball over his head. And I was yeah. I just hang on, stop, whistles everywhere. Well, well everybody out, everywhere. Do you realize how vulnerable you are in this situation? It may look good on a Tuesday night in training, but you are just opened yourself up to all sorts of misdemeanours and, mm. and different things. So I really does everybody understand why this is bad? Hopefully someone's paid attention and said yes. Mm. And I said, From now on, this is forbidden. I'm going to penalize it. So what you I think what you need to do here is you don't want to be blowing the whistle or stopping the game all the time but there are some really key things that you want to wipe out bad habits so mm. you mentioned the hand on the ground the I don't know what to call it the lying on the back gen, gently pushing the ball over your shoulders mm. waiting to be stamped on in this in the stomach or worse mm. um, these sort of things and this this is the right time to do it um, and the other thing you, oh, I've only done this once or twice, but it's just got into my mind. Is that sometimes you get particular players who've got particular bad habits, and sometimes we can we can have a little bit of banter, a little bit of teasing. Got to be careful with this. The right mm. character, it can be very positive. The wrong ones, it can be extremely destruct- destructive. Um, but trying to grind out or remove these bad habits and reinforcing the good habits, so when we get somebody who does a good one. Um, whatever it may be who's been struggling with certain bits of the technique really big it up make it enormous make them sure they know that they've done something really well yeah good and positive reinforcement is
1: is is very key and there there are ways that you can use positive reinforcement without even telling them what they're doing well and eventually they get this idea that they're it's like uh, giving a dog a biscuit every time it does uh, does an action and they get used to it yet here they know very clearly why they've why they've done that yeah.
0: now what's uh, what's the chin over the ball How right that- the chin over the ball is something that I, i'm trying to remember the origins of it. um one of my fellow coaches in the in the senior group we were doing a variation around this game and the rule that he came out was a particular part of a gentleman's anatomy needs to I, be over the the spherical that we use to play the game with i think you're talking about bobbing
1: here which uh, mm. uh is uh it's actually i will admit is my expression but i've changed it to hobbing okay but you you um, see you can try and work out where the b and the h change then. yes
0: um my, my issue with this is that Maybe it's a little bit about me, but I, I, I actually want to strive to better phrasing about different yes. <laughs> things. Uh, I don't want to leave myself open to anything around safeguarding because mm. I expect high standards from my players over language. Mm. So I don't want to leave myself And um, So that, that that's just just something peculiar to me, perhaps. Mm. And I know a lot of other people are much more relaxed about it. Fine. okay. Um, But actually, there's a more important thing here for me is that I felt with the B over B technique. um, The eyes were on the lower B. And so the posture, Should we we use the word backside over the ball. Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. Backside over the ball. And now the player is looking to see where his backsides are. Uh, and he's got a, um, I remember the, the, the midi description is, is now I've got an angry cat back and my head is tucked down and I can't see what, well, I, I may be able to see something that's swinging or some things that's just swinging. I can't yeah. see, I can't see anything else. If I'm going to do my chin over the ball, I've now looking up through my eyebrows and I'm spotting the threats. Yeah. I'm confident of where I am. I'm aware I'm actually able to take on all those tower of power type positions. Yeah. And if a threat comes out somewhere unusual, I can react to it in a much more proactive way. And for me, that, I've got some nice disciplined things, which makes me feel good. But also, I think for the, from the player's perspective, we can now become a lot more proactive on defending our ball at the ruck. Yeah.
1: And the key for me with the chin over the ball, the head which goes over the ball, is that that means the centre of your body is over the ball. And that's the strongest position. And I like that uh, idea that if your chin goes over the ball, as you say, your eyes are up looking for the threats. So often um, a player arrives to protect the ball at the ruck. And they just take up that the, the position, which I hate the most, which is when they lean on the player on the ground and create that um, seal and I can see where or why coaches do it. They do see it a lot in the pro game. I think it's not positive and I also think it's dangerous. Uh, so anyway, you're, you're, the next attacker's got their chin over the ball. And once they've got chin over the ball, so we've got the tackle player goes to ground. We've got the next player gets the chin of the ball and the ball is passed away. Now, from when I play this game, I've been uh, playing it for a few years as well. And uh, the way that I've now done it is that we play like you do. We start with um, a touch game with a few, only a few rules, the ones which they know. And then we bring in the game, which you call the hot rucks. And then I will say it's going to be a turnover if that ball doesn't get away within three seconds. Yes. Um, And I'm going to say 2.5 seconds um if i want to put them under extra pressure Mm
0: -hmm. i've just learned
1: that from john o'connor that he puts a 0.5 in there and for some reason he senses that creates a little bit more (laughs) pressure but that is the idea that as soon as that ball's on the floor what i have found is happening is that the next player does go over the ball quite quickly it's the third player to the ball which is the issue Mm -hmm. um now, if you if they've got a time limit, that's good because then they come in next. I'm going to add another rule in a moment, but just tell me how it develops from there for
0: you. Okay, um, there's two things because we're starting to bring in a lot of pace into the game, which is the essence of what we want—real speed. But uh, uh, this isn't just the quickest lads can move i need i need quick hands i need quick thoughts everything we're going up a level and different Mm -hmm. things so we use the timing thing and i'm going to come back to that in a moment the other thing that i do is and this drives certain players completely bonkers when i do it uh the hidden rules come in so as the ball gets moved away um so the third player coming in into the scrum half position moves the ball away within a time limit, uh, and I am a bit flexible around that. But it's the next one that I start to look for as well. Mm. Okay. So the the golden well, hidden rule that comes out, you better be moving when you take that ball. If you are standing
1: you've 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 spoiled my uh, my rule again. Oh, no, get, no, good, no. Right? I,
0: I've, I've learned from the master.
1: Uh. <laughs> Very good, Chris. Your your charm is uh, is doing yourself doing you a lot of good. I might let you digress a little later <laughs> on. So, uh, what? How, how have your players reacted to that? So, it is obviously good practice that the player is moving on to the pass. That makes sense. How long has it? How long has it taken for your players to adapt to that rule? And what happens if? Well, and let's think about teams who will struggle with that what would you do as a coach to deal with that because i can't see every player being able to grab that straight away
0: no i think it's one of those ones that you want it's, it's the middle of february it's freezing cold and it's horrible out there you, you, you've got to be pragmatic about it um, but there are serial offenders mm. that you can pick up there's also um a need to avoid laziness. And if someone if the play hasn't quite got right and, and and if if the lad is whoa, I'm almost offside and I'm just taking a step back and oh where's the ball and I wasn't expecting it. Well actually he's done something pretty good. So yeah. try and do that. Um it, it what I'm trying to get at here is if I see The expression I try and use, and this is a relatively recent one, we're having mixed, mixed. This isn't, this is going okay at the moment. Mm. Is what do you see? What do, what do you see? What, 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 okay, hang on, freeze or ice is what I yell out. Mm. Everybody stop. You did that. What did you see? What were your options? And he'll say, they know me well enough now that they don't clam up. They'll say something, maybe complete drivel, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) They'll say something, and then I'll ask, well, what, what else could you have done? Uh, and, and we don't want to spend too much time having a quick debate in the middle of February in the, on, a, on a cold night, but just try and open up there. As a, it's really important you understand why you should be moving. If you're in a situation where you mm. just can't move and I'm glad i got the because we're going to have another rug, we'll try again. That's more than good enough. But if you're being lazy, you and I'm trying to challenge them a little bit, say, okay, let's do it more, let's do it better. Um, within my team – the boys are used to it. Mm. Um, there's almost a laugh when I go, hidden rule, they all know what to expect, and they're all suddenly mm. dropping back. And then, yeah. of course, I change it, and another rule comes out of nowhere. Mm. And I, I make up. Some of the senior players who join us, they get, well, this is not realistic. Uh, and this is something that they've got to get used to. So, well, you're training with me now, get used to it. Mm. Uh, and so they adjust as well. Uh, and I think the bottom line here is you're challenging the players. And there might be different ways, different times. and You wouldn't challenge them in the same way after 45 minutes into the session as you might do in the first 5-10.
1: So I'm thinking now that uh, players who are used to it, they'll probably understand where they've gone wrong and change their behaviour straight away. So with maybe younger players, and I I love the idea of trying to get players to run onto the ball, so I'm keen to try and push it in every session. So what I, I do... Is I've now changed uh, the the ruling in a sense. So originally, if you're not running off the ball, it's a turnover, and mm-hmm. if it's a turnover, the players don't like that because they've lost possession. And there's nothing mm-hmm. better than having your hands on the ball. So instead of immediately turning over, if a player makes the mistake, they get uh, they lose a life. If they make it again, if they make the mistake again, I will shout at them um, something along the lines of different and that means for them to shout back at me immediately have they acknowledged the mistake i need to run onto the ball running onto the ball that's their second life gone and if they then make the mistake again then uh, it's a turnover so mm-hmm. they're allowed to make the mistake once um, mm-hmm. and i will highlight it to them they know that then i brush out that's a life lost if they make it again I will shout at them to acknowledge that they've made the mistake. And if they're not getting it, then uh, at least we've got some form of conversation going. And then the next time it's a turnover. And as you've said, you don't want to stop these games too often because that's what players hate. They hate Mm. the coach stepping in and keep talking to them. Let's do it as the game is going on. And that is much better for them. But also... Another thing I've tried to do is, and you've got, and I know when I work with your players, you've got three or four players who are pretty switched on to rugby. They know what's going on. They probably understand where you're coming from as a coach. Get them to coach it as well. So you might be shouting out to uh, the captain of the attack, uh, reminders, reminders, reminders. And they will be then, as they should do in a game, reminding their teammates of, what is good practice? because in the end, um, you are on the sideline and you can shout and ball as much as you like. and we know from the sidelines that nobody listens to us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and now the players are actually taking control of the game. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking about um, less experienced players. Of what age would this snapback game, work in your estimation i mean i know you've only run it perhaps with under 15s under 16s maybe a year
0: younger what what age group would you bring this one in i th- i I'd, I'd suggest you could do this as soon as we're doing contact so yeah. um uh, this was under nine because we were doing the continuum back then we're, yeah. we're the last age group coming out of the continuum um but i i think as soon as you've got contact and and almost i think Is it under eight? Is the last tag year? Yeah. In the spring, when you sort of think, yeah, we could we could adapt this round tag, Um, and Mm. just the idea of bringing in new good habits because we don't have to do the contact. You can still do the tag, go to ground because the first essence of contact Mm. is with the ground. Mm. So I I just think this is a fabulous game that you can take in in different different areas. So as soon as practical, under nine, Dan. How how does that sound to you? Well, I think that.
1: Well, first of all, I probably would say that under eights, I would stick with the tag. Only because the RFU, quite rightly, and the WRU are very nervous of doing anything which is outside the tag area. And it has changed. Uh, I know that you've been through there, but they are very sensitive to that. So I wouldn't do it under eights, but I think under nines, the contact with the ground is vital. And this game would really help that. Because that confidence on the ground does help the the pressure. Of course, they don't have to get their chin over the ball no, at under no, nines, no. but they do it under 10s, So that would then. So you could play the snapback uh, game without the chin, and then under tens, you would bring in the chin rules. So I think that would that would work, um, and I I sense that that would be a way forward. Now, uh, from a coach's point of view uh what sort of when would you change the game up um what what signals would you be looking at to say i'm going to progress this game
0: once i get a rhythm into the game and everything everybody knows what's going on now i'm ready to change up um with our group we can go through this quite quickly and there's two now there's two areas i take this in the first area we're in training So we'll move through, because we're using touch, we're going to move to grab, and we may stop at grab. Um, That's all I want, because the the boys naturally start to feel a bit, the need for a bit more contact. Mm. I also will go up to tackle as well, full-blown tackle. Um, And then we start to build up the game in any direction we want to do. So do we want to add a defender? Do we want to compete for the ball Should we make the pitch bigger? Shall we even up the numbers and we can go in all those sort of directions? The other angle I do, and I use this as a warm-up game before a match. So um, we try and keep our warm-up, although we're looking to change it for this season, but that's probably another discussion for another night. Um, Our warm-up before a match is typically about 40 minutes before kickoff we're on the pitch. And we go through various bits and pieces to get ourselves ready um, five minutes to go before kickoff we go to hot rucks and at this point there's obviously a nervous energy uh, and we are full blown full contact we're five minutes away mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and um, we do the uh, do the counting, one sec rucks. Ball goes down one sec away, one sec away. Yeah. And everybody's screaming each other one sec away. Um, I try and get the dads involved. And in, um, we've we covered this before. We do it in a corner of the ground. Mm. So the dads are screaming and screeching. And so the blood is really starting to pump. Mm. Um, and so that's the other direction as well. And again, it goes back to the essence of this game is I can do so much with it because I've got a core game running and I can go in different different angles as well. Going back to the training one, one of the things that I would try and do as well, um, I've got one or two characters who seem to like to lurk around in certain positions in the dark. I've got a, mm. a very powerful prop forward who suddenly reincarnates himself on a Tuesday night into Liam and Williams and wants to hang around the back and <laughs> leap in the air and do scorching runs. Um, so we have to reprogram him, um, which can be a lot of fun as well. Um Sorry. So it depends on the circumstances and what we're trying to achieve. And again, I'm going to relate back to something I think Tim said, Tim Ravenscross said about over coaching from the match before Mm. that we've had a bad, bad Sunday morning on this particular area. And for the next 45 minutes on on the Tuesday night, I'm going to ram this down your throat. Well, okay, we normally do this well, so let's not overreact, but let's build. Let's just look at it in different things. Right. So, I th-
1: we like the game, um, and we like the, all the outcomes, so let's just pick out um, a couple of things that we would always want to come back to. So, just sort of summarise what you're going to do. So, uh, you pick out one, I'll pick out one,
0: and then we'll just do a bit of back and forth. So, st- starting with you, Chris. Um, Going back to the essence of the the, the core thing I want from this game, my philosophy around the ruck is if you get the presentation right, everything else will happen almost naturally. And the ruck is very busy, very confusing, lots going on. Get the presentation right, we've got a chance.
1: So my, my thing now is that I work really hard on the accuracy. So I will turn over the ball if they've not scored the try, snapped back. And vitally done it in a safe way. And you picked out uh, some of those players who rolled onto their backs for some some reason. It must be a North London thing. uh, uh, But I want them to be landing on their fronts, no hand on the ground and then snapping the ball back. Mm -hmm. So that's mine. Over to you.
0: Um, Next thing is about the support player coming in um, and the the, uh, chin over the ball. And, And, there's different reasons why I go at this. The main one is that I want the player coming the sport with his heads up because you've got this bit right, and we we are a hot ruck team, so the support player's there, and I don't care whether you're the scrum half, fullback, fly half, um, first reserve, prop full, whatever. You're first in, get busy. You're in the ruck. Uh, but I want I want the eyes up. I want them to be able to spot the threats and anticipate how to react to those threats before they become real.
1: Okay, so from my point of view then, to take it to the next stage, uh, generally I start the game with an overload for the attacker, give them five five goes before we uh, swap around some players. So the next, the progression is once we've got that game going, I want that ball away. You've talked about hot rucks. We've talked about how long that ball should be on the ground. I will give a time limit. And if it's not away in that time limit, then they've lost a life or they've lost, um, lost a go. Or maybe if you even up the sides it is a turnover. Over yep. to you.
0: Okay. Now now I'm trying to put more and more pace onto the game. So we're going to st- start moving it to uh, the one sec counting or three. It depends on the timing. You talked mm-hmm. about half seconds. So it depends, <laughs> depends on wh- where we are. So I might put the timing on how quickly the ball's got to be in the scrum half's pause. In other words, he's got to be in position and, and I will, I won't, I'll stop counting once his feet are there so he's able to play. Whether he chooses mm. to delay, because I'm a scrum half at heart as well, and that's cheekiness, so mm. that's to be encouraged. Um, or even if it's how quickly you're going to get the ball away. If it's not a scrum officer, because well, you, you, some of them will start to think, I'll, uh, I'll try and do a little bit of a rumble from here. I'll, I might try and creep sideways, something like that. Okay, fine. So I want the ball away quicker uh, and then the progression towards the receiving player. Yeah, running onto it. Great. Chris, that's five great
1: points, I think, to uh, wrap that up. Um, And a game that I shall be certainly going back to um, time and time again, and one that I'm sure you'll be using uh, with your new group of under-17s, under-18s. So, Chris, as always, thank you very much for your thoughts and ideas, and I hope that you... um, You felt that you got the the essence of the game across as well as your take on it?
0: I did, thank you.
1: Good, Uh, great. I really enjoyed that, as always. And for all those who are listening in, um, if you want to go over to the tab on the Rugby Coach Weekly uh, website and click on Podcasts to find more podcasts, and we will also put the video of the game and the instructions around it underneath this podcast so thank you very much for listening and thank you again chris thanks very much dan and uh, look forward to speaking to you all very soon
0: thanks for listening to the rugby coach weekly podcast if you want to hear more podcasts head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport and learning.